Many of us are told time and time again in our careers that we should be asking for feedback from the people we work with and manage. However, a lot of us mess it up. On today's show, three steps to soliciting feedback from an expert executive coach. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 107. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help people be better leaders through improved communications, human relations, and personal productivity, the people side of leadership, the people side of business and organizations. And if that's of importance to you to get better at, welcome to the show, and I'm so glad to have you for today's episode. And this topic is an important one for all of us on soliciting feedback. It's something we all realize the importance of, at least most of us realize the importance of it, but we don't necessarily know how to do it. And I'm really glad to be able to welcome Tom Henschel to the show today, who I'll introduce in just a moment. And he's going to walk us through three steps to soliciting feedback. And after the interview, I have a bit of feedback as well. So stick around for that and a couple of announcements and, uh, in the meantime, let me jump right into my interview with Tom Henschel. I'm thrilled to welcome my guest this week. His name is Tom Henschel. Tom is an executive coach, and he's also the producer and host of the podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership, which is something he started as a project for his clients and has turned into a very popular podcast, one that I listen to on a regular basis. And I've just been so thrilled uh, with Tom's wisdom on the show. And I'm excited to be able to welcome Tom to our show here to talk about the importance of being able to solicit feedback from others. Tom, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Thanks so much. Uh, it's nice to be a mutual fan because I listen to your show too. So yeah. thanks. It's nice to be here. Oh, likewise, likewise. You know, uh, Tom, we're going to talk some about soliciting feedback today. It's such an important skill for leaders to be able to do, and I know you have a lot of wisdom on this, and so I can't wait to get in the conversation. But before we jump into that conversation, I'd just love to hear a little more about your background. Uh, you know, Coaching is such a unique profession. A lot of people don't just fall into it. And I'm curious, not only what brought you into coaching, but maybe if you could share a little bit about your professional background, because I know your background is is really unique, and I'm, I'm just excited to learn more about it. Well, I've been running Essential Communications, which is my company, for 20 years, and that's my second career. My first career was as a professional actor. Uh, I graduated from the very first years of the Juilliard School Drama Division, and I worked as a professional actor for over 20 years. There was a few years of overlap where I was doing both. That, that, that was an interesting time in my life. But uh, so I, I have both those. And in some ways, it feels like I blend some of the talents. And in some ways, they feel very, very separate to me. Hmm. How so are they similar? I think a lot of the skills that I use as an actor to um, be attuned to others are what I bring to my coaching work. So in that sense, I think there's a lot of that humanistic part, uh, the ability to, I was never a big fan of improv. I was classically trained and I loved the classics and I didn't like improv as an actor, but that sense of listening and responding is very much what 
I think makes a successful actor and certainly what makes a successful coach. Hmm. You know, you're, you just mentioning that makes me think of a, a quote from Ronald Reagan that I heard years ago, and I'm not going to get it right, Tom. Uh, I should have looked it up before we started. But someone at some point had asked him about being an actor before being president. And I, I think his response was something to the effect of, I don't know how I could have done the second without having done the first one first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's true. And and being political, by the way, is being on stage all the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When I started coaching, I used to talk about what I used to call, quote, acting on the corporate stage. Mm. That sense of you've got audience around you all the time and pay attention because people are watching you. And every now and then I will talk with uh, certain executives around the fact that they are misusing their, quote, celebrity. The fact that when, when they speak, people are hanging on their words. And it is like, you know, hearing George Clooney talk in a restaurant and you're going to repeat it later. Um, and some executives are kind of a little naive around their, quote, celebrity. So there are some crossover. You know, it's interesting you say that, Tom, because that that's actually a great segue into our conversation today, because I think for a lot of us, and particularly as we get you know into leadership roles and we have increasing levels of responsibility, people do watch and listen for what we say or don't say so much more closely than they do when we're not in a leadership role or a management role. And so you had aired a show recently on soliciting feedback, which I thought was just fantastic. And so um, first of all, why is this such an important thing for managers or really anyone to be able to do? I think there are three reasons. One is often, especially as you move up in your career, I think we often live in a feedback vacuum. I'm currently working on a big project right now where I work with groups of vice presidents in a global company. Uh, and I'm exposed to probably 50 or 60 vice presidents through this work. And uniformly, without exception, they all say, well, I don't get any feedback from my boss. Mm. And they would like it. So I think we're all kind of starved for it. So the ability to solicit feedback, I think, is important just to fill that void. That's the first reason. The second reason is I think that if you are able to really have a feedback conversation with a peer or your boss or certainly your direct report, then it means that you're probably able to have many difficult conversations. And that ability to talk about things that might be challenging or uncomfortable is going to help you succeed. So to be able to talk about yourself and carry on that conversation is a skill that I think will get rewarded in many ways. And then finally, the third thing is just around emotional intelligence. Uh, I think at the level that I work at with executives, you know, everybody's smart. Everybody's an expert. Everybody's good at their job. What really defines people is that ability to build and maintain very powerful relationships. And if you can have a feedback conversation with someone not that you're giving it, but that you're soliciting it and it's successful, then you're pretty high in emotional intelligence. That first point you mentioned is something I hear a lot too, of people wanting to hear more feedback of getting more interaction from others, either their managers or peers. And at the same time, it seems like sometimes without intending it, 
managers send the message that they don't really want feedback, uh, even if they do. <laughs> so I'm sorry, sorry for laughing. But yeah, yeah, you've you've true. seen the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering what it is. What is it that managers do, or maybe don't do, that unintentionally sends the message that they don't really want feedback or, or, or aren't open to feedback? In a word, listen. I, I think the listening skills are so hard. I, I'll, let me go back to the example of uh, this project that I'm in where I get to see all these vice presidents. I observed to one of the groups that I was with just last week that almost, we, we were working for four hour blocks in a room together. And that almost, I would say almost completely in four hours, people are not asking questions of each other and if they do, they almost never ask a follow-up question. This ability to kind of listen, well, or, or for example, to just ask a question that's not self-promotional, asking a question that's not trying to prove your own point, mm. but really just curious, like you do so well in your interviews, Dave. You're just a kind of sponge, and you ask, and you're curious, and you listen, and you respond. That doesn't go on in meetings. So that one thing, I, I think that a that inability that people have to listen, ask the next question, ask the next question, and stay in listening mode, I think that's the one thing that people don't do that stops the feedback conversation. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. The I'm, I'm guessing you see this. Oh my goodness, all the time. And you know, you as you were saying that about meetings, I uh, thank you, by the way, for the the kind compliment on my, my interviewing. It's something I I'm getting better at and would still like to get a lot better at. But I, as I think back to meetings I'm in, Tom, I fall in those exact same patterns. Uh, I've, I can think of times where I've said something or asked a question that was perhaps self-promotional or haven't asked the follow-up question when I should have, when I should have. And it's just so easy to fall into that, um, that trap or even to kind of adhere to that culture of that organization or that meeting or that group. Listen, I think it's a terrible burden a lot of times to, you know, be the expert where you feel like you have to be the smartest person in the room, at which point asking a question can make you vulnerable, make you look like you don't know. So I think that we all sometimes get in that sense of, well, I don't want to ask and put myself in the role of learner unless I'm asking my president or something, you know, when I should kind of put myself in a one down position. Here again, I just think that that whole framework of like, I have to be the expert, well, then that doesn't lead towards a meaningful feedback conversation if I'm going to ask for you for feedback about me. Mm. But I have to be the expert? Like, th those two things just can't go together. Yeah. So this may lead into the model we're going to talk about here, Tom, that you presented in, in your show as well. But what is it that people can do to get over that or at least become more aware of that so they don't fall into that trap as easily? Practice. Because <laughs> I think it's hard. Listen, as a professional actor, I remember being a very, very, very young actor in a great big production in Los Angeles. We were in a theater that sat 2,500 people, two huge movie stars in the leading roles, and I had a teeny part. And every 
night after preview performances, we all would get out of costume and we would come and sit in the front rows and our director would give us notes, meaning he had taken notes all through the show and he was going to read out the notes. He was going to look at that person and say that entrance was slow or pick up that cue. And he would call you out by name and just, he's just giving feedback. And I remember like, I didn't get many notes. I had a tiny little part, but I remember the first night in front of this company and I'd already been acting for years, Dave, but in front of this company, the first night he called my name, I blushed so hot, I couldn't hear the note. Mm. I, I was just, and all I was getting was a piece of feedback, you know, and I was a professional, I was getting paid. But that whole sense of, oh my gosh, I'm about to get feedback, and it's going to hurt, I think we all need to get over that and calm down. Um, a, a quick parallel story, I was running an offsite with a group of people, um, and they did an exercise, and I turned to one of the guys, and I said to him at the end of the feedback, everybody was back in their seats, and I turned to this one guy, and I said, can I give you a piece of feedback? And he said, yes, but his voice broke when he said it. He went, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we all laughed, because he clearly meant no. <laughs> <laughs> and, but what was funny was, I was gonna give him a compliment that he did something in the exercise that I'd never seen done before that was so creative and helped the team so much. But his assumption, and by the way, this is a senior guy, his assumption was that I was going to call him out in front of the group. Oh, interesting. And I think in terms of what can people kind of do to prepare themselves is calm down and just listen. It's just feedback. Yeah. Don't well, this, this is a great time to look through this three-step model that you've presented. And I, I know this is something that uh, I've actually, uh, I see elements of things here that I've seen work for people as well, Tom. And I just think this model's great, very straightforward, um, and something we can all do. So can you walk us through what are the steps we should be thinking about when soliciting feedback? You bet. I'm glad it's meaningful for you. So the first step, ask often. And let me start this step by asking you a question. Sure. You've worked for lots of different managers over the years, right? I have. <laughs> and I'm going to guess that there's a continuum that on one end you've had some really good ones. And on the other hand, you've had some who weren't as good a match for you. Am I right? Yes, that is that is true. I think as is true for many of many people. Yeah, I think it's inevitable. Yeah. So let's just take a manager that you got along really, really well with, who one day, literally out of the blue, shows up and looks at you and says, hey, Dave, how am I doing as your boss? Now, this is somebody you get along well with. And I'm going to guess you have an opinion, right? I mean, this is somebody you've been working with. You, you have an opinion about him or her as your manager. That first day, are you going to tell him everything you know? Oh, probably not everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I'm going to guess that you're going to give a tiny slice of a much bigger pie. Am I right? I would. And I probably with someone and I thinking back to management relationships I've had where I've had a really good relationship with someone, I'd probably be more likely to say more in that first conversation than I would be by someone with someone I had a poor relationship with. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't think I'd share everything necessarily that I was thinking. <laughs> and by the way, I think that's smart. That's savvy. That, that that feels appropriate to me. But let's jump down. You did it kind of automatically. Like the less productive relationships, that man or woman shows up and 
you know, she says to you, hey, Dave, how am I doing as your boss? What are you going to say the first time she asks you? Oh, when I've been in situations like that before, I think what I've done is I've found a way to get out of the conversation as quickly as possible while still answering <laughs> the question truthfully. <laughs> oh, but that's nice. But So you, you put a little bit of truth in, but you kind of ducked, right? Yeah, it would be the say something truthful, but um, have it be a, you know, error of omission uh, kind of an attitude, I think. So let's pretend that same not as productive relationship, that person comes back to you three weeks later and says, you know, I, I heard what you said. What else? How am I doing? What would you do then? Hard to say, but I'd probably be more likely to say something else if there was something else, um, which probably there would be in that situation. So, yeah. yeah. The idea of ask often is simply this. I think it's naive to imagine that no matter who you go to, including your boss, if you walk up and go, hey, I, I'm really starving for some feedback. Could you give me some feedback? And especially if it's you to a direct report hmm. where you're sitting on the top of the pyramid looking down, I think it's naive to imagine that that person's going to give you meaningful feedback the very first time you ask. So if you really want feedback, if you want to feed the feedback, fill the feedback void, you have to be asking often with some consistency. Also, too, it creates a kind of safety. If I know that you're going to come back again and again, it prompts me to be thinking. And my sense is then, too, that if I have not experienced any kind of negative consequence, that you probably mean it. So the asking often actually builds the relationship, builds the trust, where you're going to get more information later than you get in the beginning. Mm, this is good because this reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is the greatest enemy of communication is the illusion of it. And <laughs> I, I, I think back to folks I've worked with before, Tom, and they'll say something like, well, I asked for feedback. I already did that. And right. they assume because they've asked once that they've done what they need to do around soliciting feedback. And of course, as you've brilliantly articulated here, that just doesn't cut it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And by the way, I, I think it's hard to remember. We're all busy. I actually, with people where it's important and we do this, they calendar it. So, you know, three weeks later, literally it's on their calendar. Go ask Marsha for feedback. Oh, that's smart. So it becomes a to-do item. Uh, I also, by the way, this is a variation on the ask often. Ask one-on-one. -on -one. I don't think it works if you've got a staff meeting to turn to your, you know, eight direct reports and go, hey, I'm looking for some feedback. How am I doing as the boss here? I think it might be different if you're asking for feedback about the meeting itself. But, you know, to turn to your direct reports and say, give me some individual feedback, that's not going to happen in a staff meeting. Mm. It's just not. So, so that's step one. So step two, you say, is ask for behavior. What do you mean by that? So if I really came to you, if I'm your boss and I come to you, Dave, and I say, how am I doing as your boss? What I'm asking you to do is grade me, rank me. Oh, I give you a B, you know, oh, fairly good. It's not helpful. It's not actionable. So even though in the course of our conversation today, Dave, I've been saying, you know, I've been using that little question as a model. It's actually not a good question. It doesn't ask for behavior. And behavior is what we need from each other to know what to do differently tomorrow. Oh. So I have a little 
It's the same, by the way, it's the same three questions that I use to get feedback about my clients. Because that's one of my big jobs is getting feedback about my clients. So it's there are three questions, and they're, it's very simple. The model is, I'm going to give it as headline first. Start, stop, continue. Start, stop, continue. So the questions around that would be, you know, what should I stop doing to be more effective for you? Mm. What should I start doing to be more effective for you? And what's working well that I should keep doing so I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater? Now, I wouldn't come up to your desk and do all three of those at once, especially not the first time. I, I would pick one. And I might do the start. And I'm going to guess that if I walked, if even if you and I have been working together for, you know, 18 months, three years, if I came up to you one day unannounced and I said, you know, to be a better boss for you, Dave, what, what could I start doing that I'm not doing today? I'm guessing that is not going to jump into your head. Even if you've been like talking about me yesterday at lunch with a coworker, that's an interesting question. What should I start doing? So you might need time to think about it which is a good thing too. Yeah, and what's interesting about that, Tom, is I that to me seems like a question that even if I had a poor response or poor relationship with a manager, that I'd be more likely to answer than a how am I doing as your boss. That's just too loaded, like, it's just yeah. too broad for me. But but what could what's something I could do to start doing differently? That for me is something like, okay, I could find one thing. I could find one thing to say that would be hopefully helpful to this person. Mm-hmm. So the start, stop, continue model is asking for behavior. What, what's really terrific about this, and by the way, this is why I love the feedback reports that I create for my clients. If I were to ask six people, 12 people, the same question, what should I start doing? Or what should I stop doing? Or what should I keep doing? The themes are going to become clear pretty fast. So if everybody's telling me that I finish people's sentences, right? What could I start doing? Oh, start listening more. What could I stop doing? Stop interrupting people. You know, that'll show up. And then it's like, oh, I guess I do that. It, it, it's, it's really helpful to kind of then you hear the behavioral themes. You say also as step three that part of the key to this is responding short. And mm -hmm. this might seem like a less important piece, I think, on its face. But I think this is maybe even the most important part, Tom, as far as how we then respond to that. So can you say something about how to respond short? I am with you 100%. Not only is it the most important, I also think behaviorally it's the hardest. So when I talk with people about this, what I say is you only have two options about how you respond. You walk up to someone and say, what should I start doing? And they say, you know, start listening more. You only have two things that you can say. One is, thank you. And the second one is, help me understand. Help me understand how I could be a better listener. Help me understand what situations that happens in. You could ask for some clarification. And then at the end of that, you say, thank you. I think the human nature, especially by the way, if it's a conversation, I come up to you, I say, hey, what could I do more of? You say, listen better. I go, wait, what do you, I, I'm a good listener. What, why would you say that? 
I suddenly want to either justify myself or explain, oh, you don't understand, Dave. You know, I'm only doing that to help, right? Mm. At which point the conversation's over. The person, you know, you were inviting that person into your room. You kind of opened the door and said, hey, come on in. They took a step in and you slammed the door on. And they are not going to give you feedback next time or they are going to be very cautious. There's no explaining. It's, it's just feedback. You say thank you or help me understand, and then you say thank you. And in that case, I'm guessing it's almost worse to do that where you'd slam the door than it would be if you had just said nothing you know, at all in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, because it becomes a kind of trust breaker. You know, It's like that person really was you know, really putting their toe in the water, and you, you whacked them for it. Um, so this responding short, I'm just going back to what you identified and agreeing with you. It is actually the most important. You can ask the wrong question. You might only ask once, but whatever that person gives you, you just thank them and walk away and think about it later. Mm. Don't explain. Don't excuse. It's not good for you to do it. And what would be the indicator for us on whether we should say just a thank you or help me understand? Is it trying to get more clarity about something? And, and is there times that people miss that distinction? I guess the criteria for me is based on the feedback you give me, would I know how to do something differently tomorrow? So if you said be a better listener, I could guess about that, but I don't know exactly what you mean by that. So even if I heard it from six people where people are saying, you know, you need to be a better listener and that becomes the theme. Everybody may not say it the same way, but that's the theme okay, I guess I need to go work on my listening skills, but gee, listening skills are complex. What part of listening? Mm. Somebody out there has that feedback for you. So I think asking a clarifying question is when you hear the feedback, you but you don't know what to fix or what do they really mean or what does it mean to them? Um, I just got a piece of feedback for a client and the feedback came back, you know, <laughs> literally it was be a better leader. I was like, well, what does that mean? Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. So clearly I needed to ask some clarifying questions. And I think that's when you have permission to do it without excusing, just clarifying. Got it. Got it. So I know you coach people on this model a lot. So that step one, asking often, step two, asking for the behavior. So stop, start, continue question. And then step three, responding short, either, um, help me understand or thank you. When you coach people on this and they start using this model and maybe sometimes fall short, what gets them in trouble or what holds them back that they don't, they don't tend to implement well that we should watch out for? Well, the first thing is the, actually the last thing we talked about, which is they somehow kind of mess up the exchange in real time. You know, they don't respond short, they respond with excuses or whatever. So that, that's the biggie. But looking over time, I think one of the things that, that makes it not effective is not listening for the themes. Sometimes people get into, oh, I got this one piece of feedback about this one thing, and they drill into it as if that's the secret. Without remembering that what we're really looking for here is, especially around your professional development, is what's the biggest bang for the buck? We all can't work on everything. So over the course of 
three months or six months or a year, you're going to work on maybe one or two pieces of your professional development. Pick it well. So listen for the themes and don't get distracted by bright, shiny objects. You know, really listen well and decide what to do. And then here's the second part of it. Check back. Mm. When I coach people, you know, I coach people in a bubble that's dangerous. I'm alone in your room with you. You're telling me a story. You're the only point of view I hear. We're not getting any outside feedback. You're very persuasive about your position. And I get aligned with you, Dave. You know, you're my client. So I'm totally believing you. Well, if I don't ever go back to your boss and go, hey, Dave says he's made all these changes. Has he? If I don't go back and check it on the outside world, I'm not doing my job. Right. Exactly. Same thing for you. If you're going to solicit feedback, at some point you need to go back and go, you know, I've been working on this listening thing for the last three months. I'm, I'm wondering, how does it look to you today? Big open-ended question. Not a yes, no. Not am I better, right? Not did I fix it, but how does it look to you today? And then listen for the feedback again. And we, now we're back in the same thing, the same one, two, three model. Tom, this is super valuable, this model, and I, I love it because it's powerful, but it's also really straightforward. And I think that it's something that any of us can implement in a leadership role and utilize. And you know, this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of example of the value that Tom brings on his show. And Tom, I'd like you to say a little bit about your show as well. But l- let me say first, I've been listening to uh, Tom's show for oh gosh, about a year now, and I guess you air a show probably about once a month. Tom, is that that typical? Yep. The, the first Thursday of every month. Oh, okay, good. Now I know the schedule. I'm going to listen for. I'm, I'm going to watch for it. Um, and the the brilliant thing that Tom does is he will highlight a scenario that he's worked with on a with a client, and he'll then highlight a, a a lesson or a model like this in utilizing it. And it's a it's the the show is very short. Uh, you know, ten, twelve, thirteen minutes usually. And he just does a brilliant job of adding in value and giving you pointers and giving you real life examples. And so I really encourage uh, those who are part of our community to listen to his show as well. I think it's a wonderful compliment to what we're talking about on on this show. And Tom, maybe you can tell folks a little bit more about just what's the best way to connect with you or connect with your show or anything else people should know. Sure. Well, first off, thanks. I'm, I'm grateful for the feedback that I didn't even solicit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, my company is Essential Communications, and our website is EssentialCom with two M's dot com. And if you go to the website, there's a, a button called Coaching Tips, and there's a free archive of I don't know how many now. It's 120 tips that are free, and you can download them as PDFs. So you can share them with people, or print them out, or you can read them on the web. Or you can get the podcast right there. Or certainly you can go into iTunes and search for The Look and Sound of Leadership. So it's out there and it's all free. And, you know, like your show, it's just a gift to people. You know, uh, Tom, I didn't, I didn't give you a heads up on this question, but, uh, but I, I know you'll knock it out of the park. Um, th- you, you've had a great, really successful career. You've had wonderful success of working with people and leading people. And I'm curious, as you've been doing the work you've done, not only in your previous career in acting, but now working with executive leaders, what's something that you've learned about yourself along the way that's helped you to lead and influence people more effectively? The evolution that I see in my own life 
is my understanding that <laughs> it comes actually from a title of a book that was written about Hollywood. The audience doesn't know anything. Hmm. And, and it's the idea that, look, everybody's going to disagree with you at some point, and it doesn't matter. And I think when we're young and we're proving ourselves that being right, being liked, being rewarded, that feels like a competition, as if there's limited resources and you have to win. And I think the evolution that I've had in my life is to realize that my knowledge is mine. And not everybody agrees with me, and that's okay. I'm going to put it out there that I, I think there's better and worse, but I don't, don't think there's right and wrong. And I'll be honest with you. I, did, I grew up in a household where there was right and wrong, in a household that was very kind of black and white, a lot of judgment. You either were you know, on the team or off the team. You were with the family or not with the family. And that created a kind of tension for me in my life that, as I grew up, did not serve me well. It created a lot of fear for me around hierarchy that did not serve me well as an actor, where I had a lot of fear. And so I think the, the answer here is just knowing that what I know is what I know today, and it's good enough. Tom, I can relate a lot to that, being a podcaster as well and working with people on the things you and I work with people on. Thank you for sharing that wisdom. My pleasure. Tom Henschel is an executive coach and the producer and host of The Look and Sound of Leadership. You can check it out on iTunes or however you subscribe to this show. Tom, thanks for being here. Thank you. As I mentioned, I think Tom's show is a wonderful compliment to this show, so definitely check out his podcast as well, The Look and Sound of Leadership. I listen to almost every episode, and I always find something of value from his podcast as well. And speaking of feedback, I'd love to hear your feedback and have you join the conversation about what was helpful to you from this episode and also what further you'd need and would want on being able to solicit feedback. So if you'd like to join the conversation, go to coachingforleaders.com slash 107. That will get you there to our discussion forum and the notes for the show, also all the links that we mentioned. And you can also call in feedback anytime to 949-38-LEARN. That's the listener hotline. And email's good too. Feedback at coachingforleaders.com is how you reach me there. And speaking of feedback and uh, today's topic, uh, uh, I had some feedback come in from Jonathan Stratton. And so I wanted to play this message here and respond to it. And then I got a couple other announcements here in just a moment. So uh, Jonathan, go ahead and take it away. Hi, my name is Jonathan Stratton. I just wanted to give a little feedback on your podcast. First of all, I really enjoy your podcast. I'm very interested in coaching and wanting to grow as a leader and as a coach. I live in uh, Virginia, so I'm uh, probably further away than a lot of your listeners in Southern California. Uh, One of the things I'm noticing, I listen to your podcast in the car while driving to work or from work. One of the things I notice is the fact that you do a lot of explaining in the intro about what you're going to talk about. And then if you're not going to cover that, uh, what you're going to talk about in future episodes, and then you start to explain and get into the topic and explain the topic, and then all of a sudden you go back into some of that explaining and then give numbers, a phone number to comment and all this other stuff. And it seems like the, the start of your podcast is very slow, and you're 
you're losing me. And I think if I get past that, I'm able to listen, but I think a bunch of other listeners might uh, just decide to turn you off and uh, go on to another podcast with uh, slow intros like that. So my feedback and suggestion is that you take time to really shorten your intros so you can get into the content content a lot quicker. Because um, sometimes some of the information you say is very repetitive in the first couple of minutes, and it seems like things don't get started. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for your podcast and the effort uh, you are taking to train and educate uh, the rest of us leaders out there in podcast land. Have a nice day. Bye. Hey, Jonathan, thank you so much for this feedback. I so appreciate it. And I love getting messages like this from the Coaching for Leaders listening community because you know it's great to get uh, wonderful messages and the thank yous, and I, I appreciate those. It's also wonderful to get feedback on things to improve upon. So Jonathan, I really thank you very much for sending this feedback. And in the spirit of uh, soliciting feedback myself, I tried to shorten up the, inter- the introduction for this episode a little bit. So hopefully it sounded a little bit more concise. I also wanted to play your feedback here to get feedback from others too. I'd really value value feedback from everyone else to see if that's something that other folks are struggling with too, because if so, I may even uh, restructure kind of the beginning of the show, the music, something like that to make it of more value to people. I know for me, I hate pulling up podcasts and hearing someone talk about something unrelated to the episode for five or 10 or 15 minutes. And I unfortunately hear that often on podcasts. And so I've always tried to be good at that, but I may not be as good, be as, good as I should be. So I would love to hear feedback from others too. So if you uh, would like to add on to Jonathan's feedback, please uh, jump onto the show notes as well. Coachingforleaders.com slash 107. And Jonathan, drop me a follow-up note. Let me know if the introduction sounded better for you today uh, as far as conciseness and if that's working. And if not, send me another note and I'll uh, consider how to restructure things to make it even more effective. And please do send in any feedback you have on restructuring ways to uh, be a value to the sh- uh, you know to you as a listener. I always love getting that feedback. So thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it very much. And also, I wanted to share some feedback from Jim Lynch. Jim wrote in and had some feedback from uh, one of the previous episodes on. Oh, and I'm blanking on the episode number. I should have looked it up here. Let me actually do that real quick. Um, Jim was commenting on the episode that I had spoken on about how to maintain control when completely overwhelmed, and that was episode 104. And I talked about a tool called OmniFocus, uh, which I used. I'm a Mac user, and I use the iPad, iPhone. And so OmniFocus is a great solution for time management and task management if you're a Mac user or if you use an iPhone or an iPad. But if you're not, uh, OmniFocus isn't going to work for you. And Jim wanted to pass along another resource out there called Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O.com. So I'll put a uh, note uh, or link in the show notes as well. And it uh, looks like a, a task management system that would be of real value, especially to those of you who think visually. So if you like seeing things visually, like being able to move things around, and you kind of think that way and your brain works that way, and you like to think about tasks and rearranging things uh, you know, on a screen, that that looks like something that could be a real good uh, addition to your time management system. So check that out. And thank you, Jim, for the suggestion. And then my final piece of uh, announcement, actually, for this week is I mentioned on a previous episode, I am going to be in Manhattan very briefly for about 36 hours in October. And I have set up the very first 
Coaching for Leaders Meetup, and I'm going to be uh, hosting a breakfast event on Saturday, October 12th. And so if you are in the New York area and would like to meet up with me and some of the other Coaching for Leaders listeners in the New York area, I would love to connect with you. It's going to be Saturday, October 12th at 9 a.m. It will be in the Times Square area in Manhattan. So if you're going to be in the area or nearby and would like to meet up with me, uh, I'm in the process of nailing down a location. So those of you who are local in that area, if you have a suggestion, get in touch with me feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And if you'd like to attend, if you're interested in joining me, send me an email, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And I'll also be putting out an announcement of location, probably the next episode. So that way, those of you who are interested in jumping in can do so. And we do have a lot of listeners in New York, by the way. And uh, oh, going back to Jonathan's message earlier, uh, actually, the vast majority of our listeners are outside of California, although we do have many California listeners. So uh, folks all over the world and many in New York as well. So I look forward to meeting those of you in New York. And as I start uh, doing more traveling, I will certainly let you know where I'm at so we can do some get-togethers. Hey, a thank you this week to Fiona Shirini, Norris Sanchez, Israel Daikno, and John Moyer for subscribing to my weekly newsletter this past week. Thank you all for doing that. And thank you all for who've subscribed that. I can't find your names on the email addresses because the system only takes email addresses these days. So if you have subscribed and would like me to recognize you on the show, please just drop me a quick note. I do publish an article each week that will give you a booster shot between the shows to help you to give you an idea on how to get some advice on improving your communications, your human relations, your productivity. So if you'd like to get that in your inbox, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And you'll also get a a nice little bonus with that. You'll get instant access to a video overview I've done and a downloadable guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. So if you're looking to do some more reading and enhance your leadership skills in addition to listening to this show and other things you're doing for your development, I'd really encourage you to grab that and you'll get the weekly updates as well too. Hey, thanks everyone for the feedback. I look forward to meeting many of you in New York on October 12th and I hope you have a great week. Look forward to talking to you online. Take care.